Hello and welcome back to the Life from the Nurse podcast. Today we're, what we're going to be discussing is a couple of uh, pieces of watch-related news that came out this last week. And then we are also going to talk about our drop day, which happened when this podcast comes out yesterday, um, where we dropped a few more pieces that we're going to be covering on lifeinthenurse.com. If you don't know, I do uh, in-depth videos and articles about a variety of vintage pieces that we that we um, source. And um, I've got the next sort of lineup of watches. There's six that we'll go over, and I'll give you kind of just an overview of them. Um, and I'll put links in the um, in the show notes of this video to both the articles we talk about for the watch-related news as well as the pieces. So you can at least see pictures of them. But stay tuned for the articles that we write for lifeandtherest.com as well as... Um, be sure to follow us on, on YouTube so you can see the videos of these pieces in the metal. So the first, I think, pretty pretty um, large piece of news that came out was uh, Piaget released the Polo 79, which is a, <clears throat> a modern version, um, 38 millimeter um, thin uh, version of their Polo watch from 1979 that uh, included a display case back and a really uh, beautiful looking uh, micro rotor automatic movement. This piece is, uh, to my knowledge, solid uh, solid um, yellow gold, 38 millimeters in di- diameter running on the PSJ1200P1 automatic movement. As I mentioned, there's display case back and I will say that the finishing on the movement is really beautiful. Beautiful circular finishing, um, some nice perlage as well as a really nicely cut gold micro rotor um, and a pretty nice design on it as well. Um, it's a really beautiful piece. I think, you know, it's not maybe for everyone. Um, it is for the Maison's 150th anniversary. Uh, <clears throat> and um, and I think it's a pretty, pretty cool piece. I think it really stands with a lot of the, the pieces that collectors are into nowadays, which um, include these sort of integrated bracelets or very, um, very interesting pieces. I'd say the, the watch that this is probably competing with pretty heavily is the reference 222 from Vacheron Constantin, especially especially given the fact that this is yellow gold, Vacheron Constantin released their solid yellow gold watch as well. This watch is priced at 73,000 US dollars, so um, not, a, it, not an inexpensive piece, um, and it's a quite a big bet that, um, you know, Piaget collectors or collectors in general are looking for something like this. So we'll see how it how it does. It was covered on Instagram by so many people. Um, a nice piece, um, and um, I really, I really uh, do enjoy it. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they release this in, you know, similar to the two two two. If they release this in any other case metals, if that's going to look like stainless steel or maybe a two tone, um, we'll have to stay tuned to see if that happens. The second piece of news I want to discuss before we dive into the vintage pieces is the um, first uh, winner of the Louis Vuitton Watch Prize for Independent Creatives. Um, Raoul uh, Paget was the winner of this, which was um, he, he was um, nominated for the prize after releasing his RP1 Regulator à détente, which um, has a really beautiful in-house movement that brings a Deton escapement into the into a wristwatch. Um, Louis Vuitton announced that they were going to be holding this biannual um, biannual watch prize, um, where basically, um, to quote them, the creative talent and audacity of independent watchmaking uh, to support and encourage artisans and entrepreneurs and accompany future generations. There were some really incredible um, 
finalists, uh, one of the, two, I think two of them being uh, previous GPHG winners. And uh, basically what Page did was use a detente escapement in, their, in, in a wristwatch. Typically these were used in maritime chronometers, but they were susceptible to shock. And so it kind of limited the ability to use these in wristwatches because obviously there's quite a bit of shock that movements undergo when they're on your wrists. But what he did was basically created his own manual wind movement with uh, an innovative safety roller cam to protect the escapement from impact. So um, pretty cool nonetheless, uh, and, and um, it's nice to see sort of the innovative side of watchmaking is still coming through. And what I think ends up happening is um, there's a, you know, um, essentially I think what happens is the winner will spend some time with uh, the Louis Vuitton La Frappique du Temps and get a financial prize. Um, I think it's some like a one-year mentorship um, and, and the financial prize. So um, nice to see that happening. All right, so moving on to vintage watches. Uh, as I mentioned, we six watches were were sourced and we had our drop day yesterday. Um, they really vary in in as all as they always do when we when we source pieces in manufacture, in um, design, in movement, in era, and that's really the idea. There is to really give variety in in the in the watches that we're able to cover. So I'll start off with the first piece, which is a Tudor Reference 7809 Oyster Automatic Watch. It was manufactured in 1948, um, and um, I think it's a tremendous piece. Um, this, the, the, uh, the watch has an 18 karat gold case that is in uh, good condition in the infamous Oyster style case. Uh, there are signs that the watch has been polished, but it ma maintains an overall attractive look. I'd say the lugs of the piece are maybe um, a little, a little bit soft, which is kind of how you can tell if, if, if it is, um, if it's been polished. The watch has a really nice white creamy dial with, uh, with recessed hour markers and the printed Tudor name. Um, it has sword hands and, uh, and has an arrow seconds hand, which I think is quite cool. And it's running on a man, the automatic movement caliber, um, 390. Um, I think a yellow gold piece like this is, um, a phenomenal, um, a phenomenal it has a phenomenal presence on the wrist and so for something from 1948 um i think is is really beautiful you know obviously tudor sometimes is in the shadow of rolex but i think a lot of their oyster oyster adopted um pieces are um are you know of, of very very high quality and this tudor is um absolutely no exception to that um to that at all um so um a very, very nice tutor. As I mentioned, uh, there'll be links in the show notes so you can see pictures of it um, if you would like to follow along that way. The next piece is from Longines. It's a Longines reference 2183. This watch, um, you know, I, I think I've spoken at length about this idea, but I think Longines is without a doubt one of the best watch manufacturers of the 20th century. This specific uh, 20, 2183 from Longines was manufactured in 1943. The watch has a 10 karat gold filled case and is in really good condition. The uh, case features uh, signs of light polishing. Um, what's really cool is if you look at the cross section of this watch, um, the upper section of the case actually has this really cool coin edged finishing to it, while the rest of the case obviously has this polished finishing. And I think it gives it a really interesting 
sort of dimension that is um, a little bit different than maybe some other piece that you're gonna, gonna see. The watch has um, short, uh, fin-shaped lugs and has a really beautiful creamy dial with uh, a cream dial with uh, gold applied hour markers in sort of an art deco font. It also has a subsidiary second at six o'clock. The hands are really long and thin and the watch is running on the caliber 10 um, L manual wind movement. It's, it's a 34 millimeter case, which is um, might be considered a little bit smaller, but it has a very big presence on the wrist, which I really like. And I, I think, again, showcases how incredible Longines is for the watch they produced during the 20th century. Moving on, we, we're going to, to um, a Bulova Ashford in yellow gold. We covered a very interesting Benrus with these really, what many collectors describe as fancy lugs. And I think lug, lug design is a way that you can enjoy um, collecting, and I think the 1950s were full of design uh, brilliance, and I think the Boulevard Ashford is a great example of that. This uh, Boulevard was manufactured in 1950. Uh, the watch has a 10 karat rolled gold case. It's 29 millimeters, so it's a little bit on the smaller side. There is some wear that you'll see on the top of the, the lugs and case back, um, but for, you know, a watch that's over 70 years old, it makes kind of sense there. Um, the watch features a cream pie pan dial with gold applied hour markers, and the watch is running on the caliber 10 BC manual wind movement. I think, as I mentioned, lugs are a really cool way to, to enjoy watches, and what's really interested, interesting about these knotted lugs that this watch has is that some other brands have used, utilized a very similar design. I, I believe I know of a Patek Philippe that has these knotted lugs as well. Um, so it's just showcases that many brands were sort of exploring this type of design and um, were, were innovating. And I think that's a really, really cool um, part of this hobby. The next watch I, I want to move on to is actually a watch that I have on my wrist as I'm recording this podcast. And it's from a brand that you might have not have heard of, heard of called Ernest Borel, which was, I believe it's a Neuchâtel-based Swiss company. And the watch that um, we have in is called the cocktail kaleidoscope. It was eventually kind of uh, nicknamed uh, the psychedelic because it has a very interesting dial. The watch was manufactured in the 1960s and has a very cool gold shell case with sapphire crystals on both the top and bottom of the case. The watch movement and dial sits at the center of the watch and then there were hour markers that sort of circle the outside of the see-through case. The watch's hands are these uh, red arrows and then you have this kaleidoscope disc at the center of the watch that turns kind of as the seconds indicator, which I don't think I've ever seen a watch like this before. Um, and it's pretty mesmerizing just to watch the, I guess the seconds hand tick or the kaleidoscope turn. The watch has very cool long claw lugs that actually make this 32 millimeter watch sit quite large on the wrist. And the watch is running on a manual wind ETA-based movement. This is, as I mentioned, why one of the things that I, I really enjoy about Life on the Wrist is trying to find pieces that um, perhaps, you know, perhaps you haven't heard of, um, heard of before, um, or, or models that maybe are off the beaten path of what's, you know, maybe typical for collectors to collect even on the vintage side. So um, 
I'm very excited to, to want to get, get into this piece. Um, I'm obviously going to be posting videos of this of this watch on on the Instagram account because it's so so mesmerizing to watch, and I can understand why it was called the psychedelic. I encourage you to check out the pictures um, of this watch while you listen to this because it's really cool. The second to last watch is a, a really cool Elgin Date automatic watch. The um, watch was manufactured in the 1950s and has a 10 karat rolled gold case. That's in good condition. What makes this watch kind of stand out is that it features a hobnail finishing on the top of the case, which I think is very, very attractive. The lugs are um, sharp and, and short, and the watch has this sort of gray sunburst style with gold applied arrow markers and Elgin name. The watch has rectangular hands, both hours and minutes hands, and that kind of matches the rectangular shaped hour markers. The watch has a date complication at three o'clock, and that date complication has a really cool gold applied window. As I mentioned, the watch is, has an automatic, um, automatic movement, and I think it's just a really cool sort of, you know, you can call it a random piece that you would have in your collection. I think it's just from a design perspective, something that is a little bit different, something that you can enjoy and, um, and um, yeah, simple, effective, and um, a really nice watch. The last piece that we, we are gonna be covering on the channel is the Bulova SVP1 in steel with a white dial. Not only is the SVP1 from Bulova an attractive looking piece, uh, it really has a well-documented advertisement history on, online. So it's really fun to kind of look at those advertisements for these pieces, for this piece, or I guess this model. This Bulova was manufactured in, the 19, in 1960, and the watch has a steel case that is um, exceptionally thin, and, it, and the case is in really, really great condition. The watch has these really long, sharp, straight lugs. Um, there is a, a little crack in the, in the crystal at five o'clock. The watch has a really nice, as I mentioned, white dial that's aged to a really nice cream tone over time. And it has applied hour markers, sword hands, and a subsidiary seconds. And the, wa the watch is running on the Caliber 11 AF movement. I cannot stress to you how incredible, incredibly thin this watch is. When, I, when, I, when you pick it up, it almost feels um, non-existent in your hand, which to some is a really attractive part about um, watches. And then to some that might be a deal breaker, but uh, you know, sometimes you want to feel the heft, but I will say it's one of the easiest watches to wear and the case is in really great condition. This watch also featured a lot of innovations, things like um, an anti-magnetic case, a waterproof case, and a shock-resistant case, which I think were all things during the 1960s that were important to um, those who were wearing um, watches at that time. So those are the six vintage watches we're going to be covering on lifeinverse.com as well as our YouTube channel. You'll also see these pictures on our Instagram, so make sure to check out all of those sources, Instagram, uh, lifeinverse.com, as well as our YouTube channel, so you can see more videos, pictures, and articles about these specific pieces. I'm very excited to jump into these. As always, we'll start off with a video just giving sort of an overview of each of these pieces on YouTube, um, kind of almost like a teaser to, to then go into each of these pieces, which I think is... Um, a nice um, sort of progression that we've started with our jobs. If you are new to Life on the Wrist, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and be sure to share this podcast with a friend who might be interested in watches. Um, if you wouldn't mind rating this podcast, it really does help me out. Um, 
uh, you know, I want your feedback, but it also helps to get this uh, more visibility to this podcast. And I do think that some of the topics that we're covering would be entertaining to watch collectors. So reading this podcast really, really does help me out. Um, you don't actually know how much, it, uh, how much it does. With that said, guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. And until next time.